Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, which is being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sitting on the River Rock in San Antonio, where the U.S. Meat Export Federation's meetings have been taking place this entire week. So you can know that exports, whether you're looking at grain or livestock, have been on the forefront of many producers' minds. Some of the things we're going to look at is the fact that farmers, many talk that farmers are afraid to do some selling right now. What does that all mean? The wheat complex that we've been closely watching, we're going to find out what's going on there as this is headed towards uh, spring planting, what we're seeing in prevent plant as well to those folks to the north. And then speaking of planting, soybeans. We know that in many areas in Nebraska and in northern Kansas, frost happens. Frost isn't something we normally talk about late in May, but that might cause con- concerns for these beans as we go down the road. We'll be talking about that and a whole lot more on this week's episode. It may be small but this little bean fuels a lot of power. It powers a food industry as a top source of protein. It's a fuel that powers diesel engines with fewer emissions. It powers a state economy and bottom lines, and it powers the rest of the world as a top Nebraska export. Yeah, it may be small, but we're finding more ways for this little bean to power Nebraska. Well, welcome back. As you can see, joining me on the screen today is Sean Hackett. He's with Hackett Financial Advisors, and we've got Darren Fressler with Lakefront Futures. And gentlemen, it's it's been an interesting week when it comes to just the trade in general. And Sean, I do want to start with you because as we started this program, you were talking to me about farmers being kind of afraid to do some selling. Does that mean old crop, new crop, or both? It's actually both. I mean, farmers got caught selling too early for the last two years. They left a lot of money on the table. And they're, 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 they don't want to miss it this time. This is the typical cycle that we go through. And so if you're a farmer and you're looking at delayed planting, you're looking in your northern plains, you can't get it in the ground, you just had a frost, you know, it's just very hard for the farmer to go out there and say, I'm going to really aggressively sell this uh, market right now. Even though the prices are attractive and it's probably something they should do, I see a whole lot of reluctance. And I'm afraid that that might be a big mistake come the time of harvest. And I'm, and I'm really trying to bring home the idea that you need to, to at least do something to protect the downside price risks, even if you don't want to make cash sales. I think if you don't, you'll be wishing you had. You know, I had heard earlier today that in Illinois, and it was over $18 that was being paid on some of these cash beans. I mean, there's the opportunity that's there to, to make some money. But again, I think there's some nervousness being involved. Well, there's, like I said, there really is. But usually when everyone's on the ones on the same side of the boat, Susan, everyone's bullish, everyone's afraid to sell, you know, it usually is the right time to actually do what you don't want to. The, the best hedge is the one you don't want to do. And I've seen this happen so many times. And as I said, even if you're someone that says, look, I'm not comfortable making a cash sale, you just got to do something about putting some floors under this market because – one day you're going to wake up and something's going to change with the markets and they're going to be limit down for some reason. And you don't want to be selling into a hole when that happens. Some good things to think about. Darren, I know from a wheat perspective, I think there does continue to be some nervousness, not really knowing what's going on with this crop. As we hear a lot of mixed comments coming from all these different wheat tours. Yeah, it's it, the, the especially the KC market. It's been a back and forth with conditions. Um, I, you know, I still think I, I, Sean's message about doing something uh, rang true here. I mean, we're up near 
you know, lifetime highs in this wheat here. And, and even, even the spring wheat, I know there's a lot of issues with Minnesota planting and North Dakota issues, but these are still, if you can get out there and, and at least just make some sales, whether that be a setting some floors, setting some HTAs, uh, especially on the, the, the winter wheat market is, is providing you opportunities now. And, and, and like I've said to subscribers and clients, there's a lot of things in the outside markets that, you know, you look at some price pattern correlations. Yes, the fundamentals are maybe different than 2008. And we might have a lot different fundamentals this year with our balance sheet for corn. But you still at these levels, I think you need to step in here, or at least create a plan and not just say, well, I'm going to sell if it breaks, because when it breaks, it could break violently. Um, and so that's the thing is it's there is complacency because people have missed out on some pretty big rallies over the last couple of years. And and that's exactly what I'm hearing as well. And I think Sean would agree that it's there is that complacency out there that, you know, I'm not going to sell until I maybe know what's what's in the field. And I know that this week in particular, uh, Minnesota and North Dakota clients are being a little bit more active in the markets. Is it too early to talk prevent plant? Um, given given where the price is, um, I I know for a fact that North Dakota and Minnesota producers will will plant past their plant dates. There's no question about it. All right, I want to ask both of you this: since we were talking the wheat market, and I think it affects all grains in general, the issues that continue to happen with Russia and Ukraine is we saw fr into Friday morning a lot more attacks happening in Ukraine. And then I had read that there was maybe some goodwill that might be coming from Russia on getting ports open. I mean, how much do you trust word on that, considering the, the recent past of Russia and workings on moving grain? Uh, headline driven. That's how I'm taking it. Uh, I, I'm not putting too much faith in any of that until I actually see some actual shipments of that. Yes, if they act and get some get some grain shipped out of Ukraine, I think that could be pressure that into this market. I think that's probably what you had seen earlier this week. And so I need to see it. I need to see some verification of that first, not just the headlines. All right, Sean, what about you? What are you hearing when it comes to these headlines and hopefully some goodwill gestures. It's kind of like we were dealing with the trade war with China. Every single week we're talking about this and talking about that. And yeah. I have no idea how to forecast what Russia's going to do, what Ukraine's yeah. going to do or not. What I'm focused on is it is in a few weeks, Russia's going to be harvesting an all-time record crop, it appears. It looks like it could be 88 to 90 million metric tons, 15 million metric tons above last year. And they are willing sellers, even if Ukraine is not able to sell and I think that that is a bigger that that's something more impactful. That's more has more clarity to me that I think we can forecast that says there's going to be plenty of supply of winter wheat coming from Russia. And to some extent, they have huge ending stocks from last year when they had the export taxes that built up those ending stocks. So I think if they're willing sellers and I think they will be, I don't think we're going to have a, a, to worry too much about summertime supplies of winter wheat at least for a little while, despite all the headlines about what Ukraine will or will not do. Well, as we continue here at the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, that's brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers in the checkup. Let's talk what's going on with soybeans. China, Brazil making a, an early agreement. A lot of folks on Wednesday, Thursday were surprised at the information. Sean, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this preliminary talk? Well, if I'm China and I don't know how long Ukraine is going to be offline, and I don't, you know, don't know how everything, you know, maybe I want to go into Taiwan. I don't know what the U.S. would do. 
you know, I had better open up some channels with some other outfits to make sure I could get some grain, especially corn, where they haven't been buying it normally from Brazil. So I think to me, it's just a natural progression of diversifying your supplies at a time that there's a lot of geopolitical uncertainties. They don't want to be caught being a one-trick pony, and the pony that they're relying on decides to cut them off. All right. What about you, Darren? What are you thinking on this agreement? Yeah, I think this is probably much a done deal at this point. And and if this does really go through and we actually see some shipments, I think this is kind of like that talk back in 20. Well, what if China buys a lot of U.S. corn and they actually end up buying it? I think we're in that same situation. What if China buys a lot of Brazilian uh, corn? How, where does that put the U.S.? I mean, with much more competition. And if you looked at over the past uh, you know decade here, what China has done with the Brazilian bean imports, boy, uh, they could do uh, some damage here when it comes to our exports. And so I, I think that's the road we're going down here. I think that the relationship between Brazil and the Chinese is something that's going to grow, and we're just going to have to deal with it at U.S. producers. The geopoliticals of everything are definitely going to make it interesting in the near term. Uh, let's look at the livestock side of the trade uh, this week. We saw some lower numbers on this cattle market, some struggles in the hogs. Uh, Darren, what are your thoughts on the way this livestock traded? I, I still think that, uh, you know, cattle in general, it's going to be a difficult trade. And and I, I continue to think maybe Q4, Q1 of next year, you're going to come in here one month and you're going to see placement numbers really low and people are going to be wondering where the cattle are. Uh, but given where the backdrop of we don't really don't know what the corn production is, we still got some dryness going out in western parts of Nebraska. You know, people are just shoving cattle through the system right now. And I think that, you know, it, it's going to be a, a tough sled for cattle guys in general until we get a much more better picture about maybe how this corn crop is looking, especially for the feeders. Let's hear try you, that. For once, oh. there we go. For once, uh, the dairy industry isn't getting blamed for the influx of, of heifers and cows coming to market. Yeah, I mean, that's very true. You know, I mean, it's, what's interesting in the dairy situation is that even though prices are near all-time highs, profitability is at best modest because of the dramatic increase in cost of production from feed, from labor, so, you know, back in 2014, when we had $25 class three and class four, you know, they're making five, six, seven dollars net margin. You know, now they're, they're, they're struggling to make maybe a dollar and a half. And so there's just no, you know, uh, there's just nothing going on there that would uh, that, that gives them the same kind of confidence uh, to, uh, you know, to, to go out and, uh, and and expand. And so that's an interesting situation with, because normally. When the stock market's getting hit, when the economy's going sour, when demand is on the on the fence and prices are high, usually the milk price will cave in pretty significantly. And we have not seen that like we've seen in cattle and like we've seen in hogs. It's, it's sort of a, a market that's found an unusual insulation from normal outside macro factors. Um, I still think we can have a correction here into the summer, but you know, with only a buck and a half margin and lack of expansion and really no increase in serious increase in production, I still think that the milk price is going to be fairly well supported into the fall. Well, I know, gentlemen, it has been an interesting time, and I think over the next couple of months, it's going to continue to be an interesting time as we watch what happens with these markets from a global perspective. I appreciate both of you joining us this week. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you, Susan. Always a pleasure. All right. We want to remind folks that this report's being brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Board for their farmers and their checkoff dollars as we broadcast today from the U.S. Meat Export Federation meeting. 
Always reminding folks that commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. And most importantly, as we head into this holiday weekend, don't forget the true meaning of what Memorial Day is. That's this week's report.